Screen West Screen with Paul and Kevin, where if films were food, they'd be full of it. to another episode of East Screen, West Screen. This is episode 98 for Tuesday, February 14th, 2012. As usual, I'm your host, Paul Fox, and joining me from his secret abode in the projection booth of the Dynasty Theater is Mr. Kevin Ma. Hello, everybody. Hello, Paul. A uh, long time no talk. Yeah, yeah. It's been a couple weeks. Had a bye week last week because I was just swamped. Uh, still swamped, but managed to make room, enough room, so we can have a show. And it's Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day, Mr. Ma. Yeah, happy Valentine's, except, yeah, you're not my Valentine, so. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm. You should be, you should be telling, telling Mrs. Fox this, man. Yes, yes, uh, we had a little celebration earlier. Had a little cake and, uh, you know, card exchange. Uh, this will be the last year that we are uh, sort of on our own for Valentine's Day. Next year we will be baby-bound, apparently. So it was a little bit of a special, you know, quiet moment that we had together. Um, interesting enough, you know, when I was out, uh, you know, after work buying the cake, huge, humongous lines of people lined up at the bank to get some kind of collector's edition banknote from a Bank of yes. China. I had no idea what was going on. I, you know, I saw this massive line of people lined up, and my wife explained it to me that people were buying this collector's note so they could resell it. You know, yes, it's, it's yes. always about it's always about that extra bit of money. Uh, of and course, I thought, on the, on you the know, news, on the, yeah, on the news, they're like, uh, yeah, it's the year of the dragon. It's something special. We got collected. But, you know, they're all going to. No one gets excited about this thing without making money. Yeah. Something like this. But it's just yeah. weird, you know, because my wife was telling me that her mom got some for some commemorative notes for the 1997 handover. And, you know, after like the initial one or two day rush, she said they dropped in value, and now they're like worth face value, basically, maybe <laughs> a little bit more. But you know, it, it's just the you know the people get wind of it and they just go nuts. And they, I was watching the news; people were like pushing and shoving in some of the lines in Central. It's just like anything for that extra dollar. Um, kind of reflects badly on Hong Kong society in some ways. You know, thinking back to some of the things we talked about before. But I just thought it was ironic to see you know it's Valentine's Day and these people are out. Not lining up to buy roses, not lining up to buy candy, but lining up lining up to buy commemorative banknotes so that they can <laughs> turn a profit. Um, that is the true Hong Kong spirit for yes, you, sir. The meaning of love, money, right? Yeah. Uh, well, that's neither here nor there. But speaking of Valentine's Day, uh, I have a special treat for the listeners out there. I did an interview with Mr. and Mrs. Valentine. Um, some friends of mine that I met last year at Nerdtacular and have been sort of internet friends with for quite a long time, uh, Jay and Renee Valentine, uh, we've known each other through Twitter and, and through the works that we do. They have their own podcast called the Valentine Cast, um, and basically their podcast is, you know, they're, they're a husband and wife couple, and they talk about what they do uh, in their lives, and they talk a little bit about the movies they watch, 
um, the, the things they do together, the games they play. Uh, they have some very unique segments on their show, and it's something that I look forward to every week because uh, they do it weekly like we do this show. And I had a chance to sit down and talk with them about some of the segments that they do, some of the things, ways in which they focus on movies. And we talked a little bit about a movie that was recently released here in Hong Kong. That is the film called The Help, um, which is an interesting film. It was released last year around the summertime in the States, but it only got here in uh, 2012. And it's interesting because there are a lot of parallels with what's going on in that film uh, with some of the issues going on in Hong Kong with the domestic helpers and, and some of their issues and some of the ways in which they're viewed by other members of the society here. So I had a nice, uh, nice chance to chat with them about that, and I'm going to play that interview for everybody right now. And we are here with uh, two very special guests that I'm very pleased to have on the show uh, at long last, because I'm a big fan of the show that they do, and I'd like to uh, have a welcome to the Valentines. That's Jay and Renee Valentine. Guys, thanks for being on the show. Oh, hey. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. This is awesome. So you guys are, uh, what what would we say, call you guys, a couple in podcasting, right? Uh, Because you do a show together called The Valentine Cast. Um, Could you tell our listeners a little bit about, you know, what your show's about and uh, how you got into doing it? Well, we've always been a couple in a lot of things. Like, we game with each other. We basically like almost the same thing. So... Um, let's see, we started a blog and it was just a blog saying what we like to do, the food that we ate, the movies we saw, the places we went. And then someone mentioned, you all should do a podcast. And we were like, okay. And I was a little reluctant because I was like, who wants to listen to me blather on about what I do? But, um, they was like, no, it'll totally be fun. So, um, it was just like just an extension <laughs> of what we we're already doing, and just going into and from a um, written form, you know, doing it and and doing it with audio, you know, and just I mean, it was just really an experience. It was just something that we wanted to do together, and um, just something that if we took an hour or so, kind of a project we do every Monday night, just to chill out and just kind of recap what we did for the past week, you know, talk about. You know, movies and food and technology. And it's just a lot of things that we just love. And so it was just, I mean, it was really exciting for us. And we're, we're, we're getting real close to a, a year. Yeah, which is of, crazy. I of, can't of, believe doing it. Look at me holding on to something for a whole year. You proud of me, Jay? Yeah. You held <laughs> on for me for three or four. <laughs> well, that's a, that's a record that we he- hope keeps going and going for... Uh, a long time to come. Did you have any initial reluctance to, you know, sort of putting yourselves out there? I mean, that's something that's always been a little bit difficult for me, being mm-hmm. a, a little bit of a private person. Do you have you guys had any, you know, sort of uh, reluctance to to put yourselves out there? And because you're you've you've gone from the blog to your podcast to now a video version of your podcast, right? Right. So. Okay. <clears throat> you want you no, want to no, go no. first? You can go first. All right. So with me, uh, I've always known that there's been like people share at different levels of their, of their life. So you have those that um, that are like share level one, where it's kind of like you know, kind of like 
you know, they're a little bit more private and, you know, it's, if they go to work, you know, and you work with this person, you just know them as the work person. Then you have the person that you work with and you may know their wife and, and, their, and their kids and stuff like that. And I know because I've worked with people that you didn't know if they were married, you didn't know anything that was going on in their life. And then you have those that are like myself, <laughs> which is, is not, so yeah, like share level one, two, and then you have me like at share level 10. That's like <laughs> epic share. A, you know, <laughs> where it's like, you know, everybody knows, you know, my wife, if we're going to a company, um, you know, birthday dinner or something like that, I always ask, you know, is it okay if Renee comes, you know, and everybody knows Renee, Renee's a part of my life. And, and I respect everybody's share level. And I don't always expect people to come back with the same level of sharing. And I've always been like that. I've been a very open person um, with, with my life, um, with, you know, with, you know, protect, you know, not going too far and, and using some common sense. But um, when people see that, I feel that, they, I mean, they get the real me. They get the, the nice me and they get the honorary me. And they, you know, and they get the person that can be confrontational sometimes. And and I respect people that sometimes don't like some of those things about me, you know. So, and it, it's just, this is me, you know. I, it's just one thing that I like for people to know is that when when you see me or if you talk to me, this is me, you know. How about you, Renee? Yeah, Did you have any reluctance at all? Uh, No, I've always been a big share, like... I've never been afraid to put myself all out there, uh, much to my parents' reluctance. <laughs> my dad said that when I was a teenager, I had a calling card that I would give out the guys. But I didn't really. But that's <laughs> but he said that's what it seemed like. Because I, I mean, I was always, you know, I would always tell everybody about me, where I was going, what I was doing. So uh, when the Internet came along, I, I just extended that. And it was even easier for me to... Um, share so I'm a huge share um the reluctance kind of comes when the video <laughs> side of our podcast comes along right. um I have to watch I feel like I have to watch my facial expressions and um I'm yeah, I think on the, the last episode uh your husband caught you yawning a couple times right uh oh <laughs> well definitely so, well, here's, I, the, here's the thing even before the video, she's always yawning. Oh, yeah. And then I, I, could, I could cover up for her, right? I could cover up while she's we're recording, and it wasn't video. Now it's like we have video, and like every minute she's like, right. We always podcast after a long day of work, yes. and it takes me a second to get untired. Like, after about 15 minutes, then I stop yawning, I think. But it's... I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm on video <laughs> now. I'm going to yawn. And it was hilarious in the last episode. Yeah, as you saw the um the if you watched it, did you watch it or did you listen? No, I listened, but I I heard you kept okay. commenting to her. So, so if you had watched it, you'll see about a little less than halfway through, she starts getting loopy, man. <laughs> and it's just hilarious. It starts getting late, I get a little loopy. And she starts getting a little loopy and she's not yawning as much. She starts getting silly with the camera. <laughs> it was hilarious. It was just, That's the fun part about the video. I get right. to him like I've always said, even if it's just one person who uh, watches or or does anything, it's it's just that one person, and that and that's what makes a podcast for me. Like mm, right. I'm doing it for us, right. you know. And it's 
I get to have a conversation with my husband every Monday between me and him. And right. that's, you know, that's awesome. Right. And not to say we don't talk any yeah, other time. Yeah, but, but it's like one, it's like, that's kind of like a, a, you know how some people have a date night, you know, where they go out and they go on a date as a couple. And for us, it's Monday night. This is our night. Yep, that's our date night. That we just, no one can bother, <laughs> you know. You know, that's just one night that we have. And, I mean, it's something that's awesome. I mean, I, I encourage, you know, any couple, you know, to have one night where they do something. You know, if it's an hour, if it's two hours. You know, just something to get in a routine and just stick to it. I mean, it. I mean, it's, it's awesome. You know, it's, it's, I mean, I, I really enjoy it. I, I really do, too. Enjoy it. It's archive, so. <laughs> what was that? Yeah, you can go back. I said it's archival, so it's, I can go back and say, yeah. I think I even said on one of the podcast on episode 147, you said yeah, that, so that, that we had this conversation. Because I forget everything, so this is, this is good for him. Right. <laughs> well, let's talk a little bit about China for a moment. Jay, you've been to China before, right? Yes, I have. Yeah. I have. I went to. Uh, I was in China for about fourteen days, um, back in two thousand and two, and um, I was in Xi'an um for ten days, and then I was in Beijing for four. Hmm. And I absolutely love China, and I love the culture, and for me, going there, it was an experience, you know. Um, going there, seeing the people, and the people seeing me because you know I'm an African American, and I'm not a small guy either, and it was it was fun. So I got there like on a Sunday, and um, it was fun being there and walking the streets and just having random people. I'm, so I don't know if this happens in Hong Kong, but I know in Xi'an, when I'm walking, you know, in the streets in the market, in the Muslim markets, and going to all these markets. Um, I would have people just come up to me and rub my belly, you know, <laughs> you know, and, and they come up to me and they want to, you know, kind of box with me or something like that. And, I mean, and it was fun. And maybe I, they, they thought you were Muhammad Ali, maybe. No, I mean, I mean, I want to have a big belly because it, I, from what I understand, correct me if I'm wrong, is that, you know, that's a sign of, I, I know in Africa, you know, that's a sign of, um, wealth. Yeah, you know, you know, and and then also I was I was black, being black in China. Also, I mean, they may you know probably thought that as well. From what I understood, I was talking to a couple people and asking, um, you know, what's the why why is everyone enamored with me? You know, one because I was different, and just being black and and having and and the awesome thing. I'm not sure if it's still true, but they didn't have a word for fat. You know, everyone was like strong. You know, yeah. and it's awesome. <laughs> you know, and I can't wait to come back. You know, I, I definitely want to go and I want to take Renee, you know, as well so she can experience China. And, you know, I absolutely love going to the market and, and um, bartering with, with the folks, mm -hmm. you know. You know, I, I, and, and then just the food is amazing. The food is amazing. I just love the history there, the culture, and just I, I just love China. Yeah, it's um. I was around in Xi'an around the same time in two thousand and two, same year at least, as you went. Really? Um, but it's really changed a lot uh, since then. Uh, it's just there's been so much development and and so much uh, 
investment, especially in the Western regions, it's almost unrecognizable in, in some ways. And especially if you got, I haven't been to Beijing yet, but if you got to see Beijing in 2002, um, you were there pre-Olympics. And apparently yeah, they it's, it's yep. all quite different now because of all the construction that, and renovation that got mm. done right before the Olympics. So uh, yep. They were finishing the stadium up when I, yeah. when I was there. And they were doing a lot of work, and they were really, you know, getting the city ready, you know, for the Olympics. And that, I mean, that was exciting to see as well. I know when I was in Xi'an, um, um, we stayed we stayed in the town center, so we stayed, you know, within the walls. Yeah, yeah. And um, too. did you go out on the, the walls center. at all? Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah, man. Went out on the walls, and then we even went out to the country, um, countryside where the folks that. It was weird, the folks that lived in the mountains. So basically they had home fronts, and then when you walk into the house, it was going into a cave. Yeah. And, I mean, that was, I mean, it was just amazing to see. We went to go see the um, um, the Terracotta Warriors. You know, if you guys do come, you've got to set aside a few days for Hong Kong so I can, you know, take oh, you man. around and yeah, take you to some good fair. eats and keep you off the tourist paths. <laughs> now, now, if, now, if I say I'm coming to China, I'm, I'm, I'm coming to, I'm coming to Hong Kong. I'd like to take some time to talk a little bit about some movies with you guys. Um, recently in Hong Kong, they released the film The Help. Now, you guys talked about this film on your own show when it was came out in the states right around the end of last summer, if I remember correctly. And right, Renee, you talked about it even earlier because you had read the book that the film was based on. Um, so. Maybe you guys could get into some of your thoughts on, on the film and how it compares with the book and if you felt it was a, a good film. One of the reviews I remember reading kind of said it's still got that that sense of, um, it, it's got a little bit of a sense of white guilt, but also because it's, there's so much central focus on the writer, it's still also a little bit of a sort of a savior story. Um, and I kind of got that feeling too when I watched it, but I wanted to get your impressions of it, especially from Renee since she read the book. Um, okay, so first of all, the book is actually written by a white author, which some people don't know. Um, so coming to it from that angle, um, I thought the book was really good, and I like the book. The book is told from the... Uh, side of the black maid um and i thought and i thought it was good and and i was excited for the movie uh the book had some hard parts in it you know hard for to like read through because you know these are people like my grandma my great grandma um so um when the movie came out i was excited and um went to see it a little disappointed um i know that movies are not always going to be just like the book. They're adapted from the book for Hollywood. <laughs> you know, certain things have to happen in Hollywood for Hollywood to be satisfied. And um, I just think they changed some key characters and it did become more of a savior story than in the book. I mean, in the book, it showed the strength of the maids, I think, more than the movie. And the movie kind of focused on the strength of the quote-unquote you know, savior to come in and save all the maids in the town. So uh, the movie wasn't as good. And 
actually, I remember I came out of the movie and I was ranting to Jay. Yes, and Jay was like, look, look, upset. you got to calm down. <laughs> I was like, I think it's because, like, that was one of the first movies that I was upset with that it took uh, a turn from the book. And I think it's because the subject matter was sensitive to me. Mm, so right. I th- that's what it was. And, like, um... Oh, I don't know. I don't want to spoil it, so I guess I shouldn't say too much about. But there's one character in the book who doesn't make a turn for the better and who doesn't, you know, um, re- re- redeem herself. But mm. in the movie, she completely does. And it's like, you're totally changing the kind of person that she ended up being at the end of the movie. Right. So I'm like, okay, whatever. But it was, but then after I had a few months to, you know, chill out on that and not to get and too it really, emotional. It really took her too a much. few months. Yeah, it did. Um, I was like, the movie wasn't bad. Um, how I think they did what they had to do to bring it to the big screen and to make it okay for people to watch. Like, it can't be too hard. Right. People so, don't want to cringe away and right. not watch. The movie. And and I think you know we're thinking of movies like Roots. You know, Roots is a it's a great movie if you never watched it, but it's 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 a hard movie also. Yeah, and I think I think that sometimes that keeps people from watching it, um, is because it is a hard movie. I mean, even like the um, the war movie that we talked about before, baby, with the um, with the um, African American soldiers. Oh, with the Denzel glory, glory yeah, 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 glory, and like it's hard for Renee to watch that. Mm, because yeah, it tough. is a hard, it's a tough movie. So basically, they took the book, and and like Renee said, they they softened it up to make it a great story for Hollywood. And 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 honestly, it the story of redemption is sort of still there. Would you say that, babe? Uh, for that particular character? Well, just in general, just in general, story, story yes, redemption yeah, is still there. yeah. There is a bit of a redemption story still. Yes, right. So they kept the heart of the book. Yeah, they the kept same. the heart of the book, but they kind of moved how that happened around. Um, so I didn't read the book, and so I mean, I started reading it, but you know, as you know, since you listen to the podcast, <laughs> I hardly ever finish. <laughs> <laughs> when I started, but yeah, Jay started and stopped. I don't know how many books. But I finished what Hunger was Games. it? Uh, Game, of, Game <laughs> of Thrones. Did you start that one and and, and started it? You didn't finish. I can't even listen to that one. I, I have to. I have it on tape. You know, well, I have the MP3 files to listen to it. I can't even listen. To and it. I burned through it. But don't. But don't even talk to me. I'll start a book and finish it the next day. So yeah, don't even. So so <laughs> the so the heart of the. You know the the lesson of the movie. You know is, is still there, but it's kind of for those that read the book. You know that they would be feel kind of cheated a little bit how that you know lesson was taught. So not having read the book, Jay, did did you have a different feeling coming out of the film? Oh, coming out of the film, I thought it was a you know it was. I mean, it's a good film. You know, it it, it is a good story, and I think is you know some you know I think everyone should watch it you know it's kind of it does show light into how life was back in you know back in that time with uh, you know and even today i mean even my mom right now i mean you know because of the small town she works in there's no more factories so right now she is sort of like in that position as far as the help i mean Mm. because she's a she's a nanny for a lawyer a big lawyer there in the small town 
and you know they you know you know when we go you know to a wedding in Virginia we want you to come with us and you tell I'm gonna say oh it's a 2012 version of the help and you know and my mom grew up during that time and sometimes when I talk to her about it I can kind of hear you know because she grew up you know where it was rough for African-American women and, and men, I can kind of hear in a voice that she's like, well, I'm working, but, you know, I'm kind of, you know, the help, mm. you know. So so the movie, I say the movie's good. Yeah, you know? and, and I've seen some people get mad about the movie saying, how can you portray a black woman's plight and you aren't even African-American? But you know what? The people that are saying that, they're not African-American themselves, so they don't even know how close it is. Mm-hmm. And I've heard stories, and they got it kind of right. Yeah. She actually got it kind of right when she described things. So, um, And even the feelings that people felt, she did. She kind of got that right, too. So people shouldn't be so quick to judge just because the author is a, is a different color from the viewpoints that, you know, she's actually writing about from the character's point of view. So um, I just don't want people to jump all down the movie's throat because it's a race thing, you know? Right. They kind of have a thing like that going on in Hong Kong, unfortunately, with um, there's a large uh, community of Filipino women who have come over from the Philippines to work in Hong Kong as domestic helpers and nannies. And there are a lot of problems with them being treated like second-class citizens. Um, they, They work for very, very low wages, uh, in many cases, they're discriminated against or physically abused by their employers. They're taken advantage of. Um, right. And as some of them are like are called in to live in the, the you know the very small houses of the families they live with, and they they're not even given rooms. They have to sleep on the floor or sleep on a cot. Um, so it was interesting that they were bringing this film over to to play it because we wanted to see how it was going to you know play here in Hong Kong because. A lot of those issues that were going on in the film are kind of going on now. There was a big court battle trying to block the claims of uh, residency by domestic helpers who'd been here for more than seven years. The law says they're not allowed to claim residency, whereas people like myself who've come over and worked a different job have been able to. And a lot of people say, you know, that's discrimination. It's not fair. Um and and rightly so in the case you know people are afraid of them using uh, medical services and and other benefits from the government but they'd be paying taxes at the same time so um it's it was interesting for me to see the film and the issues that were being raised and think about a lot of the stuff still exists in the world you know maybe not to the same extent that it once was in the US but it's still a problem in parts right. of the US i mean it's it, really or you lived in America. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it can be hard to, you know, the, there, there were some aspects of it for me that were a bit hard to watch. It were, uh, you were talking about uh, Glory, the, the other thing, the other show that I was watching recently was, um, uh, what's that Western? Uh, uh, True Grit? No, 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 no. no. Yeah. It's, a, the, it's on Showtime or... Uh, it, it, oh, talking about... Um, Deadwood? No, you talk, no, he's talking about Hell the, on Wheels. Hell yeah, on yeah, Hell on Wheels. You know, oh, yeah. I watched oh, that yeah. and I there were a couple parts, parts where I was just cringing. I was like, I, I'm going to turn this off, you know, because I know they're going for realism, but at mm-hmm. the same time, it's like, it, I feel so far removed from, from that kind of behavior that it's like, 
I don't even want to see people doing that. It's like I want to go into the TV and smack some people for doing that. And yeah, my sister, she stopped watching it because of that. You know, yeah. she's, you know, she was like, it was good until, you know, they dropped the N word, and and I was like, I was like, but they're going for realism. But yeah. don't, my sister Renee also, yeah, you know, <laughs> same name. I said <laughs> so they're going for realism, Renee. You know, you know, she's like, I know Jay, I know, but I just couldn't watch it. I, I can't watch it anymore. Yeah. And I was like. It's such a great show. But, I mean, yeah, that is hard. That is hard. Yeah. Um, it is a good show, though. And, and I, I do like um, so the way that some of the characters end up developing uh, yeah. over the course of it t- towards the end. Uh, so if you're out there listening <laughs> and you haven't watched the show, it's it's worth a look. I'm AMC has some oh, awesome AMC writers. Is I, you know, I awesome. wonder where these people are coming from. <laughs> yeah. AMC is bringing the shows. I have to tell you that. Yeah. So. Well, let's um let's talk a little bit about movies. You guys talk about movies every week because you have a segment <laughs> called Movies by Chance, right? Right. And how does that work? All right. Well, we can tell how it used to work and right. how we came up with the idea. All right. If you want. Go ahead. All right. So um. We have a Netflix queue. Well, we used to have the Netflix uh, where you get one and you have the free uh, streaming, but we shut down to just the free streaming. And so we had all these movies on our queue. And I was like, we're never going to get through these. Uh, so one day on the podcast, I can't remember which episode it was. Actually, it was, um, it was, um, no, we were, no, it was just like one week. So we had, okay. you know, it was just one day. I was oh, like, babe, it was one day. Yes, I was like, was. I was like, roll your dice or something like that. And she rolls some dice, and then she's like, what are you doing? And then, <laughs> and then, you know, and she rolled the dice a couple of times, and I got the number, and I just went, up. and she's like, what are you doing? I turned on TV, and I went to Netflix, and we watched whatever movie. I can't that remember was. what the first one was. was... And <clears throat> and so we was like, man, this would be an awesome segment for the show, you know, kind of like a movies by chance where you know. You know, you roll your dice or, you know. Like, and and just to tell you, we have stuff on our queue that sh- probably should not be on there. Like, stuff I know good and well probably isn't good. Well, I don't know, but. because I don't know if it was last week or the week before you guys talked about a movie that sounded like it was going to be terrible, but now I want to see it. It's a Ping Pong oh. Playa. <laughs> Ping, yeah, ping pong, pong Playa. playa. <laughs> and I, okay. I would have just... never known about that movie had it not been for your show. And and it's it's yeah. on it's on one of my to watch lists now somewhere. So, I mean, and at first we were doing the dice. The logic was all wrong, and we were never gonna get to the ones we wanted. So we right. reformatted the logic thanks to some listeners and yeah, um, some some of the smart folks out there said <laughs> mathematically you're not ever gonna you're never gonna get you know. So uh, <laughs> we formatted. Below. We have a. Um, four-sided dice that has one through four, and that actually um, determines the hundred slot. If it's even, we we do a one, right? Right. Yeah, right. and if it's odd, it's just a zero. zero in the hundred slot. And then we have a, um, I don't know what it's called. What's the um, dice with the z- Well, it's a, it's a hundred, well, it's a, the hundred position, the, so it does. The ten. The so ten it's like position. it's a ten-sided die, but it has ten. Twenty, thirty, you know, forty. Zero, zero to ninety. Yeah. And then, of course, we have the 10-sided die to determine the one spot. So um, right now we have 191 yeah, or something. I added one a few minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> so if we go over that, then we just roll again until we get one. But um, we have good and bad things on there. And I love to see what we get. Like we get the weirdest juxtaposition of movies sometimes. Like we had Fame 
one time, and then what and, do we have? And then um oh it was um it was fame and something else. Fame's a horrible movie. Oh, fame by the and, way. and the documentary. Yeah, um, it was fame. Um, no impact. No yeah. impact, man. Yeah, yeah. I remember and you guys talking about that. We hardly get two movies that are the same genre or whatever. So it's just really fun, and I love the chance of like I never know what I'm gonna get, and that that makes it really exciting for me. Right, so. and like this week, I think we had um we had I Spy, the new version with Eddie Murphy and Owen Wilson, and um was it. Risk Cutters. Risk Cutters, a love story, which was okay. It's quirky. It's really quirky. Yeah. So um, it it's it it's a thinking type movie. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> so do you know how those kind of movies where they you know you really have to think about you know what's trying to be said? It's one of those. So. So we start we started out movies by chance. Well, I think when we started the segment, we had 168 movies, and, and we <laughs> no, watched we have more. and we watched like two movies every week. And we're up to 191. So, so. so you're going backwards. <laughs> we're going backwards. It's not going down. The 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 um <laughs> the purpose of it was to try to get the queue down. You know, so now that, we just so that Renee, so Renee will have something to check off the list, but I don't think it's going to work. Sounds like my Amazon wish list. You know, it's like I keep saying, "Well, I'm going to buy a bunch of stuff to get it down," and then I end up adding more stuff than I buy, and now it's like 20 pages long. <laughs> yeah. Yep. But. Uh, but if anybody ever wants us to watch something to talk about, you know, we're always down for suggestions. Oh, yeah. Um, I, and in the fact, I have a few things I have to add on there. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it'll I be. Keep it under 200. Okay. It'll go over yes, 199. Yes, it'll be over. Oh, we have to rework the system. Okay. It will be under 200. I guarantee you. <laughs> well, you guys, I mean, as you said, because of the segment now, you end up watching at least uh, two movies a week. At home, do you get out to the cinema much? Um, we used to. Yeah. We used to go every week because they had um, if you they have early bird special. If you if you get into the first movie of the day, it's six dollars, mm. right? Which is normally eight fifty. Mm-hmm. So it's a pretty good savings there when you're going with two people, right? But uh, we stopped because I think we got burnt out on going to the movies. Yeah, and and you know, cause when when we would go, I would always get popcorn. And it's funny because growing up, when we went to the movies, we never could get popcorn. So now it's like, as an adult, it's like I'm buying my own popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> I'm having popcorn when I go to the movies. So I mean, the last movie we went to go see it was because family was in town. We went to go see Beauty and the Beast, and that was the the new version that's out now with 3D. You have to see it in 3D. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, <laughs> and I know we'll probably be talking about that here in a few minutes, but, um, that we, had, but, um, aside from that, the last time we had went to the movies before that, I mean, it was almost summertime. Yeah. Like it's been a long time. And yeah. a part of that is because Jay has a new popcorn maker called the Whirly Pop. Yeah. Makes just <laughs> as good a popcorn as the movie theater. It's like, why are we going to go to the movie theater to get popcorn and watch a movie? We have awesome movie theater popcorn right yeah. here. <laughs> so, yeah. um, uh, I like home a lot better, I think. The prices right. are getting... I know why the prices are high. They have to pay everything. They have to pay everybody. And uh, I don't know. I, I think I'm starting to like home more. Mm. And especially if I had a home theater, I would probably never go to the movies anymore. But, you know, and, and you know we're in the process out. of trying to close the house out. Yeah. You know, trying to buy a house and I'm excited about it because we're talking about mounting the TV on the wall now because you can't do it in the apartment. Yeah. And I, 
you know, we getting a big, com- we already got the big comfy couch and stuff. So I'm really excited to, you know, you know, then, then when we get it mounted on the wall and we get a living room, we get in the surround sound system, yeah. the ring. <laughs> you know, so that, you know, we can have that nice theater effect, you know. Kind of makes I mean, the, the trouble of moving all worthwhile, right? Oh, yeah, it does. <laughs> it's like, I understand people are like, it's the whole experience of going to the movies. Like, that's what they're trying to sell. But it's getting to be a hard sell for me. And then, you, you know, I'm not sure over, I'm, I don't know if you have the same problems there if you go to movies in, in China or in, in Hong Kong. But sometimes we're going to a movie, something like, you know, something that's rated R or rated PG-13 is pretty, pretty bad. And then you have, you know, adults bringing in the smaller kids, you yeah. know, like, really? And then, like, there was one movie we went to go see. I think it was Batman. And there was one kid that sat beside Renee. He talked the whole time. Yeah. Hey, hey, I do not condone child violence, but I wanted to punch this kid. <laughs> Seriously, you know, so so I'm, you know, it's sometimes just the, you know, courtesy of some folks, you know, they don't, they want and <laughs> and yeah. and I have to add, he was like 13. He wasn't like a really little kid. If it, if he was a toddler, it'd be different. Oh he was, yeah, he was old enough to know better. Teenagers. Yeah. Um, you mentioned you you went to see uh, Beauty and the Beast in 3D. Um, yeah. Had you seen Beauty and the Beast before? I mean, uh, that's that's yeah, not a new film, right? I mean, and, and what are your thoughts on 3D? Because, uh, you know, over here, uh, my partner Kevin and I, we are kind of the mind that uh, it's a money grab and it doesn't really do anything for uh, for us. With the few exceptions of, I think the last film I watched in 3D was um, Puss in Boots. And for like the animated films, the 3D comes across okay, but... For the live action stuff, I don't know. It's just Avatar was great, but nothing I've seen since then has, in my mind, said this demands 3D. And right, right now they're getting they they've just released uh, the Phantom Menace over here in 3D. Uh, the, you know the re-release of Star Wars, and they're really pushing that heavily. Um, I think if you go and and you buy tickets, you can get 3D glasses that are shaped like the the pod racer goggles. Um, but you know, I, I watched it on my D, little DVD player, and I was like, I don't think I need to go see it in 3D. Um, is, is 3D a draw for you guys? Uh, no, not at all. No, and, <laughs> it is not. And the only reason that we saw Beauty and the Beast is in 3D is because we had to. They didn't have a different option, and I wish I didn't have to see it in 3D. I, I wanted to see the older, the older version, the flat version. I'm fine with that, and... I do think it's a money draw, and they're trying to make it work. They're trying to make it work in the home, yep. but I, I'm ready to see it go away. Yeah, and 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 it didn't help that Scott went. And, you were, Scott went and found out that they don't clean these glasses. Yeah, well, they clean, but they're reused glasses. Yeah, then they don't send them and wash it. Well, I'm not saying they don't wash them, but just you know, Scott start calling them the poop glasses. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah. They found traces of. Well, they matter. very quickly went, once they started doing 3D over here. Um, I think the first couple months they were giving out glasses and you'd return them, um, sort of how they do in the states. But then they quickly said, "All right, you buy a pair. It costs, uh, I think, like a dollar or or two dollars, and you keep them, and they're yours. And you, I would have rather you know, have done that." But, um, I mean, yeah. And then if you forget them, the next time you go to 3D movie, you have to buy another pair again. Um, right. And so I've got like, 
uh, half a dozen pairs because I always forget, would forget <laughs> to take them. But um, uh, I guess I guess I should keep when I when we do go. I guess I should keep them and I can clean them myself. Yeah, and here. you can sanitize them yourself, you and know, you know they're weekly free. But, but <laughs> the last movie I watched that I enjoyed it was in 3D was Despicable Me. Oh, Have that you was seen that one? Yes. Yeah. Really like yes. that one. Uh, that I mean, and I'm with you. Is that you know, with 3D and animated films, uh, it works. I mean, I get because that's more of the you know, it's animate, it's animated films, and they have the gimmicks and everything else. You know, the you know they 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 use the little bat and they hold it out to the screen and it's coming out at you. I mean, I, I may expect that, but when I, like you said, when you see a, a live action film and I'm like Iron Man, and I'm holding my little hand out. With the pulsar beam, and all of a sudden, oh, Iron Man's reaching out towards me. Well, I haven't. I don't think they'll do Iron Man in 3D. Please don't, Marvel. <laughs> oh, Please don't. Of course they will. Are you kidding? Everything has a. Uh, I have a feeling Avengers is going to be 3D. Yeah. 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 But yeah, yeah. I'm. I think it's I'm not a big fan of 3D, and yeah. um, <laughs> we should go away too. Yeah, I mm. do. So. But unfortunately, it seems like the trend is pushing it to home theaters now, like TVs oh, and, yeah. and video games and things. Despite mm-hmm. the fact that they're not doing well, isn't I think the is it the 3D 3DS then the the Nintendo handheld that's got 3D built into it, but there are like mm-hmm. no games for it and and nobody's it's buying it. Like, it's like that Mario game. That's yeah. like the only one that's yeah. really good and, from what I hear. Yeah, and it's like. I don't know why they're pushing it so much. It's but, like I so. Don't know. What we can hope for is that it will that the 3D TVs and all that stuff will go by way of the HD DVDs. Yeah, you remember? <laughs> you remember? Because that whole battle. Or what format are we going to use? Are we going to use Blu-ray or HD DVD? Yeah. And then you know, then everybody was like, "Oh, well, we're dropping HD DVD." Mm. You know, so hopefully they'll drop. You know, 3D in the home theater because I don't want to. I don't want to wear glasses to watch TV. You know, I you say know, bring back smellovision. That's why. That's, that's why I got contacts. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. My friends who who wear glasses, they hate 3D because they they say oh, it's yeah. re- really problematic for them. So I've had contacts for two years now, and 3D was coming out well before that, and I got glasses. I had glasses. And I hated it, too. I absolutely did. And, you know, because you're sitting there, you have either the 3D behind or in front of the glasses, or you just take your glasses off and you just have a fuzzy film experience. Yeah. Then I got contact, so it was better. But then I was like, why do I wear these glasses? You know, this is why, you know, I got contacts. So. Well, as heavy Netflix users, then, I mean, what do you guys see for the future of film? Do you think it's going to really just be stuff streaming into the home do you think theaters will become less and less of a of an experience of a of a of a you know some people say the theater the cinema experience is more social than anything else these days um but if more and more people are doing that you know online if they make it make a way so that we can all watch movies together on facebook or on the xbox or on something like that and share mm-hmm. that experience together from the comfort of our homes, I mean, is that going to put the nail in the coffin of uh, the cinema, do you think? I honestly think it depends on, who, who you know, the money. You know, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, because, you know, you have these studios that, you know, they, you know, make their, they, they make a lot of money, you know, with the theaters. You know, how can they recoup that? 
and and people, you know, I know people will say that they'll spend the money to watch it at home. I mean, I know I would. I mean, wh- what about you, babe? Would you? I definitely would. Like if they said, "Hey, you can watch this movie at home for six dollars," yeah. I'm like, "Yes." Yeah, or, I mean, one of the things that I think iTunes has done. I don't know if Netflix is. I, I know Netflix is starting to get into this, but iTunes is, has this thing where they do pre-release uh, rentals where you can right. rent a movie, uh, you know, a couple weeks before it's actually released. I just watched uh, Margin Call that way, and uh, and I've seen a couple other films that way. I wish they would do more like that, because I'm happy to, you know, pay a little bit more, you know, pay a movie ticket price rather than a rental price to watch it from the comfort of my home. But I know that's just me. I know that, you know, some people still would miss the theater experience. But I think I've read that Netflix is going to start experimenting. I know they're bringing back... Um, uh, oh, what's that That series? Uh, I can't think of the name. Arrested Development. Arrested right? Development, yes, that's it. Okay. And okay. so Netflix is actually producing original shows that they're going to run uh, only on Netflix. And then there's going to be a movie that's coming out shortly thereafter. So they're going to do like a, I guess it'll be a short season and then, then a film. And so, huh. you know, and I know they're doing this with one other series. They're, they're going to start, it's a new series. I can't remember the name of that one either. Um, but I was really excited to hear about, you know, Arrested Development coming back, but it's only going to be coming back from this one particular network. And I think huh. if networks get more and more into doing that kind of stuff, that's just another, you know, another shoe being thrown against the, uh, you know, sort of the old Hollywood circuit. Right, yeah. right. I mean, I think that movie prices are going to keep going up. And in response, people are going to stop going to the movies as much. So it's just, I think it'd be a constant cycle. Yeah. Something has to break. Well, it's like somewhere. you guys mentioned, you used to go to the early shows. Uh, you know, my wife and I, that's all we ever go to. We go to the morning show on the weekends because it's the cheapest, you know, it's like half price. So, yeah. you know, we can get a lot cheaper ticket, um, even for the stuff that's in 3D. Um, so it's a lot more affordable for us to do that. I can't see how a family, you know, if you've got like, if if Scott Johnson took his whole family to the movies, oh my gosh, it, might, it must be breaking the oh, bank. Yeah, I mean, we, we, for a night, I mean, it's, let's just say if it's ten bucks a person, I mean, it's fifty bucks for for all of them. Yeah, and then you know somebody wanted popcorn and and drinks. <laughs> I mean, they better bring it, their own Jiffy Pop or something. <laughs> it's like if, if they even they got the little kitty thing. I think the the little kitty pack with the small drink and little popcorn in the tray is like four bucks. Yeah, you know that's. You know, so you're looking at sixty some dollars. You know, yeah. that's just that's crazy. As opposed to you know a single rental on uh, Netflix. You know, even if it's a new show and they're charging a premium for it, but everybody can sit around the couch and right. you know watch it together. Um, I think that's what they worry about. They're like, you know, we're not getting the head count. You know, and that's why I think that drive, you know, drive through drive-in theaters. I mean, they're there are not many left here in America. I mean, the one in my hometown closed down, yeah. and there's one here in Indiana. I mean, there's only like, I think I looked last year, I think there's probably 20 to 30 drive-in theaters that are still around, and they are struggling. I, mean, I, think, there's, I think there's one in my town in Florida, but I think they actually make more money on the weekends because they have like a swap shop flea market thing yeah, that's yeah. there. And, and, and that's... A, community yeah that you know where they go every week and they have these setups and they you know the one here in indiana you have the guys that bring their 
you know, these stereo systems in their car and they, you know, they back in and they have to, you know, blow up beds, lawn chairs and everything. And it's just grilling out. I mean, it's just, it's just a, it's like almost like a sporting event, you know? So, yeah, Mm -hmm. I mean. I mean, we, they have, we need have to, to have, we need to return to the days of the drive-in. I don't know, man. Bugs, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, well, the, uh, and the snow, right? You don't even have to worry about the bugs now. You roll up your window and um, uh, you do it on the radio because. But that's why you bring your. In. That's why you bring your boombox. I mean, that's. Yeah. But if you do that when you go there, there's like you're new here, right? I mean, because. <laughs> Because they come and they bring, it's like tailgating. It's yeah. literally tailgating. You know, they having the cooler with the food and and all this stuff. So, mm. <laughs> all right. Well, it is. This is our Valentine's Day show, and we appropriately enough have the Valentines here as our guests. So, uh, before we close things out, do you guys have any recommendations for our listeners um, of a Valentine's Day film that that you would? Uh, that you would like to sit, recommend people to watch for this holiday. Now, when you say Valentine's, you just mean a romantic film, right? Yeah, I mean something that's in the spirit of the holiday, I guess. Hmm. <laughs> okay. All right. I all right. I have two romantic. Well, one really. It's an old. It's an old movie. A lot of people have seen it already, but I still love it. It's when Harry met Sally. Love that movie. Um, you know, the idea that two people, you know, they meet and then they go away and they always meet up again. It's like they're meant to be together. I mean, I don't know if I necessarily agree with the whole fate thing, but, you know, I love that movie. So that's my Valentine's Day recommendation. When Harry Met Sally. Mm. Now, (laughs) you're on the hot seat, Jay. I know I'm on a hot seat. Does it have to be a good movie? <laughs> <laughs> it's all, you know, good is in the ear or the eye of the beholder, right? Well, no, you know. Don't say we do. You're not going to recommend Ping Pong Player, are you? Oh, I'm not. <laughs> are so, you going to recommend a movie, a no, movie they shouldn't watch? There's for one movie you should not watch. And if you do watch it, it is your own fault. With this year being Leap Year, there is a movie out there that has the name Leap Year. And it's around... It's, the movie is not great. Um, that movie I actually watched on my first trip to Nerdtacular mm. um, on the plane. And, <laughs> but it's not as bad as Fame, the new Fame. So, <laughs> so take your pick, Fame or, yeah. But, um, yeah, so he gave you a choice what not to, to watch. Basically, he's copping out to the question. No, I'm not copying out. I'm still thinking. What well, Big is considered a romantic movie. What Big? I almost said Big. That is so weird. I almost you know, said Big. So... Big is actually one of my one of my favorite movies of Tom Hanks, and it actually makes me tear up every now and then. So I recommend Big. I mean, if you haven't seen, I mean, it's a movie that I'm sure a lot of people have seen, but it's a movie by Tom Hanks where you know he ends up getting trapped in an older person's body, mm-hmm. or he's older. So um, I recommend Big. I mean that that is actually on Netflix now. I'm, I may watch it this weekend. Mm-hmm. All right, some excellent recommendations. So uh, I think that's going to wrap it up. I want to say thanks again to uh, both of our guests, Jay and Renee Valentine, for stopping by and and spending this time with us uh, here on the show. 
where can people find out more about you guys and, and what you do and, and how to get in touch with you or to follow along with some of the things that you're doing and some of the work that you're out there producing? All right. I just want to say thanks for having us on the show. Thank you and very much. We should, we well, it's, had, it's been yeah. my pleasure. It's been a long time coming. So where you can reach us, you can um, actually find us on the web at um, valentinecast.com. That's valentinecast.com. Um, our Twitter feed is um, the ValentineCast. And then you can follow me on Twitter. Um, my Twitter is the Cowboy. Um, that's T-H-E-C-A-O-B-O-I. Yep. And you can find me at The Ice Flow. T-H-E-I-C-E-F-L-O-W. All right. And if and we're Valentine Cast on YouTube as well. Oh, so. Yep. so if you want to watch <clears throat> Cast, you can do that. And the show has a Twitter account also, right? Yes. The show Twitter account is um, Valentine Cast, right? Or is it The Valentine it's- Cast? Oops. <laughs> it shows how much we don't even know our own stuff. <laughs> now I gotta look it up. Hold on, I think it's Valentine. <laughs> I think I think this so high too. this high it is on the show. Yes, it's Valentine Cast. <laughs> <laughs> it is Valentine Cast. You can go there. Yeah, yeah. That's so, why you guys make such an awesome team together. You know. Yeah. So. <laughs> so, We're right. supposed to compare. We're not supposed to let them know how. Uh, Unprepared we are. Uh, it happens to everybody. And yeah. don't edit it out either. It's the <laughs> nature of podcasting. It is. Don't edit it out. Yep. <laughs> You're listening to the East Screen West Screen podcast. Visit Comcast.com for more. Alright, that's the interview. I want to say again thanks to Jay and Renee for taking the time to sit down and uh, talk with us and be here on the show. And of course you can find out all about them over at valentinecast.com and you can see their blog and get a chance to listen to their show and find out where you can get in touch with them and follow them on things like Twitter. For now, why don't we head on to a little bit of news. All right, we've just got a couple brief things to talk about this week. Um, The only real news that caught my attention was, you know, last week we had the Super Bowl. Um, Did you follow that at all, Kevin? No, I mean, after after the 49ers lost to the Giants, I was like, oh, it's over. Your team team loses and you kind of lose interest. Of course, it's the Giants versus the Patriots. Please, yeah. it's like it's like the Raiders playing the 49ers. I can understand why no one would care. So I have no reason to care about this East Eastern East Coast Bowl. <laughs> Sorry, it's a little bitterness <laughs> from this West Coaster here. Well, I typically only get excited about the commercials. Interestingly enough, this year I haven't actually seen any of the commercials except one, which kind of let me down because. Originally, this teaser, I thought, was for a film, and I had posted <laughs> excerpts from it on Google+, and um, I, I guess the information was out there that this was actually going to be a Super Bowl commercial, but I somehow missed it, and so a bunch of me and my friends were talking about this as if it were, you know, a, a trailer for uh, a film, and that is a, a sequel, supposedly, to the famous film Ferris Bueller, starring Matthew Broderick. Um, the ad basically 
parallels the storyline from that, except now he's sort of this middle-aged, older man playing, basically playing himself um, rather than the Ferris Bueller character. But it's really, really funny. I really enjoyed the commercial, but I was kind of disappointed that it wasn't actually a real Ferris film. Um, did you get a chance to see that, Kevin? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I love Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and I love the, the, the commercial as well. But with, with John Hughes gone, I wouldn't want a Ferris Bueller sequel anyway. You know, So I was glad at least we got that little bit of that 32-minute, three-minute teaser. That was great, I thought. Yeah. It was good enough, I think. Good enough of a, of, a, of, a, of a, what's the drug term here? Good enough of a fix. <laughs> well, yeah, that's what some people were saying. They were saying, you know, do, do we really want a Ferris Bueller film? Would it work now? Um, young people wouldn't really be able to connect to it the way that we did. So it would really just be a nostalgia piece um, for, for you know, older folks, particularly from my generation uh, who, who grew up with that film. But uh, I really liked some of the moments in it. Particularly funny, I thought, was when he stopped and the, uh, he got on the uh, Chinese New Year parade and was actually singing <laughs> one of the Chinese New Year songs in Putonghua. <laughs> Um, I thought that was a that was funny, clever, a little bit of a clever throwback, and of course they played it through all the way to the end with uh, some of his dialogue from the very post-credit scenes uh, of the film. Uh, very, very much nicely done. Not sure if it prompts me to want to go out and buy a Honda necessarily, um, but I did enjoy that particular commercial. Well, the thing about ads is that it, it's successful if you can remember the ad itself. More than whether it makes you want to buy something, because sometimes branding is more important than, you know, trying to push you to buy the product. And for me, it was definitely memorable, and I definitely remember, you know, I can definitely associate Honda with the ad now. So mm -hmm. it worked. Yeah. All right, we've got a little bit of extra news this week. Um, talking about the Hong Kong Film Awards. Uh, Kevin, what can you tell us about the Hong Kong Film Awards? Yes, the Hong Kong Film Award nominations were announced. Uh, uh, last week um, and as some can expect uh, lots of you know familiar names uh, a simple light by Ed Huey got eight nominations including one in each of the acting categories so that's Andy Lau um, um, Dini Yip of course it is called the Dini Yip Awards because you know that she's going to win they shouldn't even nominate anyone else uh, Paul Paul, uh, Paul, what's his name? Paul, the middle-aged actor. He's best supporting actor, and uh, and uh, Chin Hai Lu for for best supporting actress. Uh, of course, Enhui best picture. I mean, Enhui best director, best picture, and so total of eight nominations for that movie. But the lead, the, the leading films are actually uh, Trey Hart's Flying Swords of Dragon Gate and um, Zhang Wen's uh, Let the Bullets Fly. Each of those films got thirteen nominations. Mainly because they were both nominated for uh, both the major awards and a lot of technical awards. Um, the second leading film is actually Wuxia, which was not nominated for any of the major awards uh, except for Best Actress, Tang Wei. Um, it, all of it were really technical awards, so that was kind of interesting. Um, Over Her 2 uh, got, let's see, got uh, also eight nominations, including Best Screenplay, Best Director, Best Film. Uh, best Supporting Actor, and of course, Lao Cheng Wan, uh, Best Actor. Uh, Life of Principal, the Johnny Toe film, also uh, got quite a few nominations. Lao Cheng Wan, again nominated for Best Actor for that film. Uh, and it also received a total of, uh, let's see, total of uh, eight nominations as well. Uh, but I was glad to see, actually, Don't Go Breaking My Heart uh, also get nominated for Best Screenplay and Best Actress, Gao Yuan, which is actually kind of my, a, a favorite of mine, uh, 
the past year. Um, Paul, any anything that what do you think about these nominations? Anything any surprises for you? Well, I'm surprised. Uh, I think with the Tongue Wei nomination, but I'm glad yes, she's in yes. there. I'm you know yes. um, I'll be surprised, very surprised if she wins because she still kind of has a little bit of a you know stigma attached to her in some circles. But I'd be happy if she does. Uh, really Actually, happy to see her. The win. thing about Tongue Wei's performance is that she it didn't really stretch her acting. And besides, I mean, this year, like I was saying, it's the Dini Yip Awards. Mm. You know, if Dini doesn't take it, I think there'll be a riot. Uh, seriously, because there's no way that an actress can win this many awards and then come back home and not win the Best Actress Award. So I don't know even, I don't even know why they bother nominating anyone else for that award. Mm. But uh, actually, Peter Chan, actually, he, he is not nominated this time for Wuxia. And he pointed out on his Weibo that he has been, every year that he has a film out, He's been nominated since 1993. So we're talking um, uh, Warlords, he was nominated. Um, even Bodyguards and Assassin, which is his, his production, uh, even though he didn't direct it, won a bunch of awards. Uh, perhaps Love, he was nominated. Uh, before that, Who's the Woman, Who's the Man? Um, uh, and of course, 1996, I mean, Comrades. So for him, he said himself, and I'm quoting, he said that this is a very humbling experience for him to not be nominated for Best Film and Best Picture in a year that he has a film out. Hmm. Yeah, so it was actually interesting. I thought Wuxia was a stronger film than Over Her 2, but apparently opinions in the city went uh, the opposite way. So yeah. I'm a little disappointed, actually, because yeah. I thought Wuxia was a fine film. I, I, I'd agree with you. I think Wuxia was, was a much stronger film than Over Her 2. Over Her 2 was okay, but I didn't really consider it up there in the, you know, in the um, nomination ranks, the, the way that it is. Um, I'm wondering if they if you know maybe Peter Chan is uh yeah uh, getting a little was, flack a for something here. No, I think it's just the whole it's about expectations. Um I think people saw the title and expected something and perhaps this was wasn't quite fitting with Hong Kong's taste, uh, especially when you have a movie called Wuxia and it doesn't fit well, with the genre so much, then that's that you know that kind of sex exp- against people's expectations. I was disappointed, actually, very disappointed that Takeshi Kaneshiro was not recognized for his performance. I thought yeah. this is probably his best performance in a Peter Chan film in the last six, seven years that he's been he's been acting for for Peter Chan. Um, I thought he could have at least gotten best supporting actor or something, but he was ignored. And mm-hmm. I think Peter Chan is very passionate about getting Takeshi Kaneshiro an acting award or at least an acting nomination. Uh, and actually, he blames himself for this. So this this is quite a blow to Peter Chan, I think. Yeah. And how about our friend Donnie Yen? Donnie Donnie was nominated for Best Action for Wuxia, mm. actually. Uh, action choreographer, or yeah, yes, action choreographer, because he was the choreographer for, but not for Lost Placement. Mm. It's very interesting. The Lost Placement did not get any nomination. So uh, instead, all the for Felix Chung and Alan Mack. Yeah. Well, I mean, Lost Placement. My recollection of that film is that, you know, uh, they do a lot of really close-up shots to make Donnie look bigger than he is. Um, <laughs> I didn't really... The, the action is not something that stood out in my mind very much in that film. Yes. In, in, that, in comparison actually, with Wuxia. That film was, was more packed with action than Wuxia, if you think about it. So if... if but not Donnie as well... Just not as well done. In action, I mean... That's true. In my mind, when I think of the, the action sequences... You know, Lost Bladesman just isn't there, but, you know, that's that fight he has with uh, Kara Hoy, um, that's still st- stuck vividly in my mind, um, you know, even d- despite the cruelty to uh, cows. 
<laughs> CGI cows. Don't worry. CGI cows. That's I, I don't know. I'm still question. I'm still questioning that. Cow. I'm don't still worry. questioning that. Um, but uh, I, I got an extra news item if you don't mind because we were we were talking about Peter Chan. I just remembered this. Yeah. Uh, Peter Chan. Um, so I mean, anything else about to say about the Hong Kong Film Awards? Actually, um, no. Any, no I... any missing missing films that you think should have been recognized or anything uh, like that? You know, uh, Magic to Win. <laughs> ah, best new actor, best new actor, Korean. Korean, mm, uh, best, um, uh, best new you actor. You know, the best, uh, the best Raymond Wong attempts to be Harry Potter as an old man. Oh Im- dear God. Impression. <laughs> I'm sure we could make oh, something dear. up. <laughs> no, it will always be known as the year that you know. I, I mean, it, that, are they going to start giving out like Golden gonna, Turkey yeah. Awards? Because then there's plenty I could add. I mean, um, <laughs> you know, Jingle Ma, um, he's definitely on that list um, for yes. Love You You and and uh, some of the other stuff we saw in the, you know, during the summertime. So, don't worry, that's for the Love Shea Film Awards. So the Hong Kong Film Awards will be held in April, but the one to watch out for really is our Love HK Film Awards. Yeah. We're Coming soon. Everything bad and good. Yeah. Um, so you said you had some extra news about Peter Chan? Yes. Um this this happened yesterday actually. Uh Peter Chan, his his production company, has signed um a deal with Now TV, Echo, and also Hawaii Brothers to start a movie channel on the Now TV network called the Now Popcorn Channel. Uh, Do they so need I, another movie channel? I mean yes. they've yes, already yes. got Star, they've got the Celestial Channel. I mean, how many more movie channels do they need yeah so this is this is gonna be now tv's own attempt at a at a movie channel and are they gonna be doing exclusive echo. stuff i mean i think so because echo is is one of the partners and echo if you remember uh if you notice that they've been actually buying up a lot of or releasing a lot of um kind of random small movies that you know rarely make any money or any beep uh any blip on the radar that's because They've been saving their saving an inventory for a movie channel, and this has been just they've been doing this for the last two three years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think now they've finally got enough to to do a movie channel, and um, I suspect there will be a lot of stuff that they're showing, uh, particularly art films that other networks wouldn't be showing. Mm. Uh, so I think that's quite exciting. And actually, one one more thing that's worth noting is that because now TV, all their original networks so far has had an HD channel. So this means this could be the second second movie channel, only the second movie channel on the um, uh, Hong Kong's uh, broadband TV network, whatever, to have an HD channel, which I am actually looking forward to. Mm, I don't know. You know, it's I haven't watched the Star Movie Channel in ages. Um, I you know most of the Celestial stuff I have already on DVD. Mm-hmm. Uh, they would really need to be putting out some exclusive content for me to want to subscribe to another channel you know i mean and that may be the direction that some of these some of these things are going i was talking with the valentines about uh, how netflix is going to be promoting the new arrested development series exclusively through their distribution channel and there's another series that they're doing uh that way as well do you think they're going to do that with this channel or is it just going to be you know second run stuff well perhaps that's why peter chan's company signed on that there may be original production. Um, I think that's something we can hope for, at least. Mm. I mean, then we don't have to wait three, four years for Peter Chan production, uh, which could be a good thing. Yeah, uh, Somebody needs, needs to talk to Wang Jing and tell him to you know, get in talks with uh, now and start the Dynasty channel. 
<laughs> and he can just release all his stuff directly on that channel, right? Well, what do you think Man Suddenly in Love was? Or, yeah. or uh, coming this week, Mr. and Mrs. Gambler. Yeah, exactly, right? I mean, yes. uh, save, us the, save us the cinema trip. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think that's it for news, right? Yep. So why don't we move on and talk about some films? So up first, the latest from director Johnny Toe and his partner Waikafai, Romancing in Thin Air with Louis Koo and Sammy Cheng, who I think the last time we saw them together was Love for All Seasons, was it? That's right. That's yeah. right. Eight years ago. Yeah. Um, so I haven't had a chance to get on and catch this one yet. Uh, Kevin, you want to tell us about Romancing in Thin Air? Sure. Um, Romancing in Thin Air, um, this is a project that was announced at Film Mart last year. So last March, uh, it was kind of put together along with um, Don't Go Breaking My Heart because these uh, they're both romances. Uh, they both have the Johnny Tone White Coffee team. And White Coffee made this distinction is that if um, Don't Go Breaking My Heart is a comedy, then Romancing in Thin Air is the tearjerker of the two projects. Um this time they they they're shooting uh, the film. They shot the film in Yunnan County um, in a place called Shangri La. Yes, really called Shangri La. Um, it's I think it's thirty eight hundred meters above sea level. The place, so it's a, a, a obviously a very unique setting. Um, the film stars Louis Ku as a very f- famous um, star named Michael Lau. Uh, there's kind of parallels between him and Jay Chow. So imagine like an older. Hong Kong'er Jay Chow, who's like a composer, an actor, all all around, you know, artist, a uh, very big star. And um, in the beginning of the film, he's supposed to marry um, an actress, his 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 essentially his leading lady, uh, played by Gao Yuan. But at the wedding, uh, she is um, pretty much stolen away from by her ex boyfriend, uh, played by Wang Baochang. Yes. That Wang Baochang. Um, so uh, heartbroken, uh, Lu, uh, Michael Lau goes on this drunken binge and, and goes missing in China and somehow finds his way onto the truck of an inn owner uh, played by Sammy Chang. And he makes his way up to Shangri-La. Um, so in, initially, um, Sammy seems to not be welcoming this guest uh, very much, this drunk guy who is essentially breaking everything and wouldn't stop drinking. But turns out he later discovers that she is actually a very senior member of his fan club. Uh, so that kind of starts a romance um, in this motel. And soon Michael discovers um, the really sad, tragic story about how this this Hong Kong woman uh, ended up in this inn in the middle of uh, Shangri-La. Um, so this is, like I said earlier, this Johnny Tone White Coffee doing the romantic tearjerker. Um, it starts out like a rom-com, uh, you know, with the odd couple, um, uh, Louis Koo being the, the drunken buffoon. And of course, Wang Bao Chang is a steel, uh, as, a, as a mine worker, stealing away this gorgeous woman away. And um, and actually, in the beginning, you see a posters uh, of Michael Lau films, and they're films like Airport Police. And uh, the art film, My Husband's Glasses. So actually, it seems like it was heading toward, towards um, comedy. Um, and, and with Louis Ku spending half the movie, you know, being drunk and kind of out of it and acting like a buffoon, Sammy Chan kind of had to do a lot of the heavy lifting here. I think Sammy is easily the best part of the film because she, she does a lot. Of, she goes through a lot of emotions throughout the film. And she is very much the back to her old Johnny Toe leading lady self and everything you liked about her in old Johnny Toe romantic comedies you could see here um, the problem really is 
kind of how Toe handles the material. Um, the pacing is really lethargic. It's very much back in the what he was he's been doing the last couple of films, kind of taking a slow. Um, except for Don't Go Breaking My Heart, which is kind of more of the closer to the old Johnny Toe rom com pacing. But here you got it's, it's really slow. The film much of the film is very quiet. Um, but at least Shangri La is is really pretty pretty, and and you do. Uh, the pro- if the if the if the lenses that Johnny Toe uses doesn't really distract you, the the views are really nice. Um, even though the the film is really slow, um, however, when the film starts to move into the tearjerker stuff, when when um, the in owner's uh, background, when the flashback starts coming, it doesn't really quite gel with the comedy stuff because you know the comedy is actually quite funny, and it's very much traditional Johnny Toe White Coffee stuff. But they don't quite sake into that that segue into that that um that tone well, mm. uh, which is a real pity because I think moments of it really did work, especially in the first half. Um, but the problem is again with the writing and um this, the 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 jump the shift in the tone and you, once again you have this big support because it takes place mostly in this at this inn in Shangri La. Um, and you have a big supporting cast, you know, that also includes uh, Tan Nil as a, a local doctor, and she overacts the hell out of this movie. Like, every, like she does the, the the Andy Lau finger pointing here, mm. which which is really annoying. And she really tries to steal the spotlight when her character doesn't really shouldn't be doing it. And actually, much so she leads a very annoying supporting cast that that isn't really worth remembering. Um, and a lot of people are gonna. A lot of people did actually when we watched the film. A lot of people hated the meta finale, the 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 out. How does it? The uh, outcome. The outcome of the story uh, is very meta. There's a film with, like the Chinese title suggests because the Chinese title call, calls itself "Romancing into Thin Air 2. Um, but that there's a reason because there's a film within the film in the ending, um, and some really hated it. And actually, I'm kind of okay with it. I mean, I'm 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 getting. A feeling of uh, what was the Barbara Wong movie um, uh, with the kids? Uh, Breakup Club. Yeah, is it no. is it that kind of a meta ending or? In a way, in a way, but it, it's not a mockumentary. Of course, it's a typical. It's a it's a very traditional narrative, but uh, it does kind of have that film within a film uh, thing. Yes, in a way, it's kind of like Breakup Club, hmm. but less worth hating because I could understand why they went with it, um, and I guess. Me being, you know, from film school, I can understand why, how the logic of that ending is, even though a lot of people wouldn't thought it was too meta or it doesn't make any sense. But actually, it's not that part doesn't make sense. There's another thing that that really devoid of logic. And actually, that really killed the impact of the payoff, uh, because actually the meta meta stuff worked if you could you could you could get into the character's shoes and understand the character's motivation. But there's a real big logic really a big pothole at the end that kind of really kills the impact and the film doesn't really quite achieve the tearjerker effect that it wanted um parts of it felt rushed um the film parts of part some moments felt like you don't know why they're what they're doing there there's a scene where um uh sammy goes to hong kong to find michael uh, and there's this whole scene where uh, Louis Ku is in a Pepsi commercial and then she just shows up and nothing really happens in that scene. She's just there for the sake of being there. And it could have easily been cut. Um, so actually, Toe was really rushed to finish this film. He said himself at the press conference that because they shot this film, I think, last spring. And the film, and this is with 
been this during when Toe was still trying to finish like a principal for Venice and he was trying to get the blind detective film starring Andy Lau and Sammy Chang going and also the China the China production the, the police film also going so he was very much rushed to finish this film uh, so I think uh, and of course he was also had because this this film had to go through China censorship so he also had to make this film with a script that he couldn't change much of so uh, I think he was working with a lot of limitations and his shows. And I think this Johnny Toe's actually worst film, his worst film since Linger. Um, it was just, it just, a lot of it didn't work. Um, and I did nearly fall asleep. And actually people would have understood why I fell asleep because it really is um, not only Toe's worst film since Linger, it's also his most boring romantic comedy or romance, romance I think, ever. Um, so, but, you know, like I said, moments of it worked. Some of the comedy worked. Um, the the meta the actually the Lewis Ku uh, superstar thing worked. You know you have the the, the movie posters and the whole thing about uh, his character being the Pepsi spokesman, which is also you know Lewis Ku is also the real Pepsi spokesman in in real life. So uh, that product placement is actually really amusing. Uh, so you know if you like Sammy Chang, if you like the stars, I think it's worth TVing. Otherwise, and I hesitate to say this, it's gonna have to be a skip it. Hmm. Yeah. That's too bad. I was kind but, of. Yeah. But uh, if you like Sammy, Sammy's very much worth watching. And you do miss. Well, how would you compare it with their last, uh, with their last pairing, uh, Love for All Seasons? See, the thing about Love for All Seasons is that the first time I watched it, I didn't like it hmm. at all. Um, but that film does grow on you. You know, when it plays on TV enough times and you start watching bits of it, like different pieces of it when it's on TV, it actually is very funny. Yeah. It's actually quite a funny film. Yeah. Um, it doesn't have that energy. And once it's not a romantic comedy, um, but I think yeah they were better in that film just because of the material. Uh, here, the moments that worked is not because of their chemistry; it's because one Sammy's really good again. Sammy's really good, and because of the comedy, um, Lewis doesn't really get to um, stretch much here because he's you know he spends a half half the movie out of it. So yeah, if you talk about the better Sammy Sammy Lewis pairing, it would be Love for All Seasons. Hmm. All right. Um, well, that's uh, how does it fare for? I mean, because you say it's not a romantic comedy, how does it fare for a Valentine's Day film? The thing it it it, it has it, it has good romantic elements, but the problem is that it feels a bit forced, hmm. especially with the Sammy Lewis pairing. You you can see why um um. You can understand why one side likes the other, but you don't quite see what the other side sees. And the way that they... It's not as well-developed, so it feels kind of forced when they do try to... When they go get to the romance. Um, so, yeah, you know, Valentine's is okay with Valentine's, but uh, I think the traditional commercial audiences who are expecting a typical Johnny Toe romantic comedy will probably be bored out of their minds. Hmm. East Green, West Green All right, up for West Screen this week, another George Clooney film, go figure. Uh, coming off of our last week's discussion of The Descendants, we now have The Ides of March. Um, now, The Ides of March, you saw this in the theater, is that correct, Kevin? No, I saw it on iTunes. Oh, you did see it on iTunes, yeah. Uh, I also saw it on iTunes. Oh. I, I was uh, did not have any yes, I saw it on iTunes. open windows, uh, so I got the iTunes rental. Um but it it did just open here in Hong Kong, and we talked about this last week. 
we think in part because of the fact that uh, you know the descendants is up there in uh, Oscar territory so they've decided to barrage us with some additional uh, Hong Kong or, or some additional Clooney footage here in Hong Kong um, the, um, actually the the reason that it, it's so close or right now is because it's so close to the uh, chief executive election so it's very much uh, connected with the timing of the election here. You, you think it's more that than yes, than the yes. Oscar thing? Because I mean, yes, I just definitely. don't see local people getting this movie. It's so yeah, it, it's so um, the context is so U.S. politics. Yeah, but I think I think they just wanted they thought that the, the distributor thought that if they had something about an election. Uh, around this time, it'd be timely. Just like last year, actually last year or two years ago, they had a really bad idea. They they put Blue Valentine near Valentine's Day, <laughs> just based on that name. So uh, yeah, they they used a very shallow marketing ploy, which yeah, I know it doesn't quite work, but yeah, that's that's actually the, the timing of it. Uh, it's during the whole election, this whole election fiasco, and you know the chief exe- the chief executive election is very much a hot topic here in Hong Kong now. Yes, uh, because never before. Had you had two candidates who are so close or who are so have such so much chance of being elected, so it feels like there's a real election going on here, even though we don't get to vote. Yeah, there's no. So vote. I think that's what. Yeah. <laughs> so I think there's a real. There's a that, that that's the reason mm. why they decided to uh, release it around this time. Yes. Oh, that's an interesting, interesting perspective. Well, what is the Ides of March? The Ides of March is the latest film, not only starring George Clooney but directed by George George Clooney. Um, and also co-written, the screenplay co-written by George Clooney. Uh, the film doesn't really focus on George Clooney, though. He's actually not in the film all that much. Uh, the film follows the central character named Stephen Myers, who's played by Ryan Gosling, who is the deputy campaign manager for this um, governor of, uh, I believe he's governor of Pennsylvania, uh, named Mike Morris, and that is uh, who the character that George Clooney plays and this takes place during the uh, Democratic primaries when they're trying to find a Democratic presidential candidate. And you have different Democrats um, in the Democratic Party vying for that position. It's a parallel to what you see happening right now if you pay attention to U.S. politics within the Republican Party. Because the incumbent president, U.S. President Obama, can still run for one more term. So he's sort of the automatic shoe in uh, for the Democrats. So now the Republicans are scrambling to find the candidate to run against him. And so this is that same setup. Um, it's except it's the other side. It's Democrats here. You would, you would have seen a a similar structure if you went back to the 2004 election when, uh, John Kerry ran, he was ultimately selected and he ran against, um, George Bush. So Stephen Myers is the deputy campaign manager for Mike Morris um, and Myers, as they say in the film, has drunk the Kool-Aid. He really believes that Morris is, you know, the he has these big visions, these big ideas. He's an advocate for change. Uh, he seems like an honest guy, an honest politician uh, from the get-go. And you can kind of get into the character's passion for this candidate that he's working for. And so it shows sort of the behind the scenes of what goes into campaigns and the people who work behind the candidates that you never really see on the talking head shows. And you get a chance to see how some aspects of, you know, a campaign at this level would work. Um, You get to see some of the 
deal making that goes on, some of the discussions that goes on. Um, but very quickly, this movie about that shifts to being becoming about something else, and it becomes not really a thriller, but kind of sort of a thriller, as it throws in this little bit of a thriller plot hook. Um, I'm not even sure if that's the right way to describe it in calling it a thriller, um, but it is a solid political film um, following this character of Stephen Myers and his you know, the the political battles that he goes through in trying to do what initially he thinks is right and then realizing he's going to do whatever he can to sort of survive um, as, a, you know, a, a political supporter. Um, there are good performances all around. Uh, I'm, I'm a, I really like George Clooney, as I mentioned last week. I'm not a huge fan of Ryan Gosling, but he worked really well with the material he was given here. Um, the supporting cast with people like uh, Marissa Tomei, Paul Giamatti um, and uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman was, was was just outstanding. I really loved seeing those guys uh, on the screen, and I, I wish that they had actually more screen time than they were actually given. Um, I think this whole thing is really believable until that sort of thriller plot hook kind of kicks in, and then I think it goes off the rails a little bit. It becomes a little bit more Hollywood and a little bit less... Um, docudrama that I that I was hoping for, um, although it, it, it you know it's by no means um, it it doesn't get too excessive in, in that aspect. I just I was really hoping for more focus on the politics rather than this one event that kind of shapes the way the last half of the film ends up going. Um, uh, I, I wouldn't call that session thriller because even that you know that plot does have some you know resemblance to real life events yes you know, it it yeah. it does but it's such an extreme thing that it kind of goes into territory that i was that distracted from what i wanted to see more of really like it was too dramatic yeah it was a little bit you know i mean too much i mean there are echoes here of both uh, bill clinton and stuff that happened to him there are echoes of of obama and the way that you know people see him and and talk to him and then some of the things he's had to do some of the some of the um, choices that he's made, some of the the deals that he's had to make that have disappointed people, there there's a lot of that really put in here in in minor details in some ways that you have to really be paying attention to catch. Um, as I mentioned, really some some great performances by both Giamatti and Philip Seymour Hoffman, and each of them have moments where, to me, it seems like they're channeling Karl Rove. Now, if you don't know who Karl Rove mm. is, he was sort of the political strategist for George W. Bush. Uh, in the eight years of his presidency, and I think now he's a, a talk show pundit on Fox News. Um, and people loved to hate Karl Rove during the period, because he was so successful, he was so good at what he did for Bush. And I think that both of these characters were kind of molded slightly in different ways after him. Maybe maybe Giamatti's character a little bit more so than Philip Seymour Hoffman's character, but both of them, really interesting. I really wanted to see more of them on screen. Um, What's really interesting, though, some of the best moments of the film for me were are these moments that Clooney chooses not to really show. There are these, there are discussions that, or, or conversations that are silent, that you don't get to hear, but you might get to see from afar. Um, there's a scene where uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman goes into a, you know, a black SUV, and he's having a meeting with George Clooney, 
and you don't you know what's going on in the meeting but you don't get to hear it it's just this like long shot of the suv uh him getting into it and then him moment you know minutes later getting out of it that i think works really really well um and it's 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 moments like that that i think really shows that clooney has a talent uh behind the lens to to construct these really interesting moments that aren't solely based on dialogue um my real my big wish for the film though was that it was more straightforward more behind the scenes less of that thriller plot i really wanted to see more of the um the political dialogue from different players um less of the sort of okay you know yeah this big thing is is going on and it's going to be big news and now people are changing the way they behave um Maybe the film could have been, because it wasn't a long film, maybe it could have had some, you know, 15 minutes or 20 minutes more, and I, and I would have been a little bit more happy um, with that. Not, that. not to say, the, the, that's not to say I wasn't happy with it, because um, I really did enjoy it. I'd say, if you're somebody who watches MSNBC or Fox, but this one is much more heavily related to MSNBC, because it's got cameos from people like Chris Matthews and Rachel Maddow, um, I think they mention Sean Hannity, like right at the end. Um, but if you know who any of those people are, if you can't get enough of shows like Morning Joe or Meet the Press, if you know who Rachel Maddow is, then this is definitely a see it. Um, if none of that interests you, I'd say still TV it because I mean, it's got Clooney, it's got Gosling, some really good performances. Um, and I'd say it's it's definitely worth worth your time. Even the the young lady, Evan Rachel Wood, who comes in as uh, the, the love interest. Um, she has a very strong performance as well. So if you're not really interested in the political aspects of it, which, I, I, again, I think this would really lose locals, um, some some of the talk that goes on in, in these back circles. But if you're not really interested in that, see it just for Clooney, um, and see it, you know, you can TV it for that, that fact. Uh, Kevin? Okay. Uh- I was really looking forward to this film because uh, actually I'm quite a fan of um, Clooney, serious Clooney, you know, because Clooney's never made a really explicit political film. He's done well, one that Siriana was kind he's of done films that are really about important issues, you know, like like Siriana. Yeah, it was, but not explicitly political, right? It's more about geopolitics and and even Good Night and Good Luck, um, also kind of vaguely about political, but really about. You know, especially it's about TV and blah blah, but it's really it is implicitly a political film. So I, I was really looking forward to, to to seeing Clooney tackle like an explicitly political film, um, and you know, it was really engaging. I thought um, Clooney is very smart. You could tell Clooney is a very smart man. He's a very smart filmmaker. He's very smart uh, about these issues, and it was very engaging. And like I said, there are a lot of great characters played by great actors and I felt if Clooney had a little more financial support or if he had a little more ambition this could have been a really great three four hour political epic like this could have been like Clooney's opus you know I mean this could have been his biggest thing biggest things ever made um but right now it just this story felt like it was a small part of that I think I don't know if you had that kind of kind of vibe Paul yeah I mean I think that goes to back to the fact that I said I you know, you know me, I don't like long films usually, but if I'm asking for a film to be longer, it, it seems like I want more of it. You know, I, I want there to be additional content. And I think that's kind of the same thing, the same point that you're making here. Yeah, I did 
want more of it. And actually, that's a good thing because it's not because it didn't give me enough. It's because I wanted more. Yeah. Um, I, I thought, like, like you said, there are a lot of great characters that they introduced here. You know, the Mercer Tomei as a reporter, the two, um, the two political advisors, you know, Paul Giamatti and, and Philip C. Hoffman. And you could do so much more with those characters. And, of course, Gosselin is good and, and Clooney is great. But this felt like a smaller arc in a much bigger thing, and that, and I could imagine what that big thing, the big four-hour film, the big miniseries that Clint could have made here. This could be a really good HBO miniseries, you know, kind of like Moon Peters. Yeah. But I guess that would cost way too much, you know, all these actors. Um, Clooney's direction is really solid. Uh, he lets the actors do the job. This is not like uh, Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, where he does a lot of visual tricks, or like you know, Good Night, Good Luck, where he plays a lot of the atmosphere. This is really an actor's movie, and he really lets them do their thing here, and it's quite solid. Um, and like I was saying, if if it did hook you, and it is, if you do have to be engaged with the issues and and the um, the whole, you know, what you were saying about the political terms and the political, the environment of the film. If it hooked you, then you'll probably end up wanting more. Um, but then it ends before you really get it. Because ultimately, it's about a corruption of, you know, idealism in, in politics, you know, which is a great theme, which is a great idea. But, you know, I felt that for what he was, what, what Clooney was doing, he could have done more, I felt. Yeah. Um, the I thought the reveal that did the railed the story a little bit um, because it kind of sent it to a different territory. It kind of sent it to somewhere that it wasn't set up, that it wasn't established. The film didn't establish itself to be. But I thought in the end, it did get back on track by putting the, again, putting the the, the um, emphasis on Gosling. Um, and I thought it, it was fine. I, I liked it. Um, if, you're talk, if you're into talky political films, I think it's definitely a see it. It's a very engaging film. And um, But actually in the end, I thought it was good but not great. Uh, in fact, actually, this film is kind of dangerous because there's a film that a mainland Chinese audience could watch and then go, hey, democracy is so great after all. You know, what's so good about democracy? Look at this. <laughs> democracy is not for us. Look at this. Americans can't even have direct democracy, blah, 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 blah. But actually, but that, but that idea in itself is quite intriguing. I mean, the fact that a, a film like this could be made... Um, you know, it's very timely, and you know that that shows you know American what American American democracy is all about. Yeah, it's about being able to criticize the system. It's about showing the flaws in the system, and that's what that's what really is about. Um, so I liked it a lot. So I thought it was a see it, but of course, uh, because there's a lot of American political terms and a lot of American political context, um, if you're not familiar with that, you do need to TV it so you can kind of Google these terms. While are you listening to it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, otherwise, yeah, I, I I thought it was a good but not a great film. It's just miss, missing that thing. You know, that just, really carried over to just relate it sort of back to what we were talking about last week with the Descendants. You could also kind of call this uh, film white people problems as well. <laughs> um, it, 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 there's one scene where it's towards the end, and I won't spoil anything really, but. Um, Philip Seymour Hoffman's character is talking with uh, Ryan Gosling, and he's basically, you know, saying, "Oh, I'm gonna go do do a job as a, you know, I got I got a job as a consultant. I'm, you know, making was it like a, a million and a half million dollars, dollars yeah, a year, yeah. you know, and at you know, so at this level, the problems that these guys are experiencing, you know, um, if they're getting hired or they're getting fired or, or these kinds of things." 
aren't really problems, you know, because, you know, they, they've got doors that will just open for them and they can have million dollar salaries, you know, but despite the, the, the despite film, the sum of the stuff that goes on. But the film is beyond that. I think the film doesn't distract you with the money. Uh, in fact, in fact, it takes this whole that whole idea of you know making a, you know going into a job making lots of money is pointless because yeah. you're well, not. I'm, but see, difference. that's the thing. It's like, uh, and I'm wondering how this is received in the states, where the average Joe is kind of having you know facing economic downturns. Maybe they've lost their jobs and these kinds of things. Where at this level you know, salary, people don't care about salary because it's all about power and positioning for more power. You know, salary is like just a secondary consideration for these folks. Yeah, it is a very cynical film. I think it is very cynical. And I'm not sure if this is the film that America needs right now because it's a very cynical film. It actually turns you off even more about government and about, you know, democracy so it is a very cynical film and i'm not sure if you know it relates to the current times but i'm not sure if this is a film that american audiences need yeah. at the moment and i hate to be you know that kind of preachy game that preachy when, territory but yeah it is i think the, the, the cynic cynicism that's going on in the film does kind of hurt it considering the times that it is being shown yeah well one thing I, that i'd like to get your feedback on too is you know I, i'm wondering about clooney's choice here to play democrats rather than Republicans. I'm wondering if he does, does that intentionally, because, you know, people like George Clooney and some of his contemporaries in Hollywood, the right wing always points at them as being, you know, left wing and and, and radicals and, and things like this. I'm wondering if he's... Because it, it is... it is You mentioned the dangers here, but it is kind of dangerous, too, to present the Democrats as, in some ways morally bankrupt as their opponents right and, and i'm wondering if that was a, a strategy that he took because he wanted to be able to say look i'm making this film to comment on politics in general so you can't point to me and say that i'm you know insulting republicans because i made these characters republicans and and i support democrats all the time Yes, I, I think that's very interesting. Um, I'm not sure if that was the, the original. It was based on a play. Uh, I'm not sure if that Democratic primary um, element was in the play. But yes, uh, we all know. I think many people know that George Clooney is a Democrat, and I think he very much intentionally made this the, the demo, demo, Democratic primary so that it's just people in the same party fighting each other instead of having this these partisan partisan politics uh, and letting that distract from the issue of the film and he actually at one point you know the whole thing about the idea of the republican strategy was even brought up remember you know yeah you're playing like a republican so yeah. they, they brought it up once but yes i thought it was very interesting that they had it as a party within uh, internal party race instead of you know being a partisan thing and i think that's a very wise choice so that it doesn't distract from the issues in the film hmm. All right. Uh, comments. We had a few comments from our last episode. Um, let's see here. Um, talking about film, clo uh, film cinema closures here in Hong Kong, uh, Gary Lau wrote in, said, I personally didn't like UA Times Square. For such a huge mall, I was expecting a better end theater, um, but what it did offer was multiple theater screens. My personal favorite Hong Kong theater is the Plaza Hollywood in Diamond Hill area. 
Uh, I believe that was a Golden Harvest Theater. Is that still, do you know, is that still in operation, Kevin? It's become a Broadway theater, actually. Broadway. The Golden Harvest gave it up and Broadway, to, uh, Broadway took over. Hmm. Um, and Hong Kong Dave writes in, he says, I've only been to UA Times Square once to watch Death Note in 2006. Um, and uh, he says, I didn't, uh, I don't think I avoided it for any particular reason. It just never seemed to be top of my list of a, as places to see a film. Uh, he also mentions you can't have rich white people problems as a film title, which was our proposed title for The Descendants last week. He says, uh, because uh, he already took that for Eat, Pray, Love. <laughs> <laughs> to, to be fair, actually, Overheard 2 is also a movie we can call Rich Chinese People with Problems. Yeah. Um, and, so and, it's and, not and, exclusive and, and to race. Not, not so much the other one, right? Um, uh Man, the the the, the what Lao Ching Wan and uh, Denise Ho and uh, Life About Principle. Life, that's yeah. uh, greedy people. Gre- greedy people problems. Um, let's see. Uh, Hong Kong Dave also wrote in. He said, uh, "As a big Jeff Lau fan, I can't wait to see East Meets West 2011, which was our Blu-ray uh, pick from last week." Um, he said he should get it any day now. I hope he enjoyed it when he gets it. He um, did. He did. He wrote on Facebook about how much he enjoyed it. Didn't yeah. he? Yeah. Yes. Um, and Gary Lau wrote back and he said, for him, East Meets West uh, 2011 was mediocre at best. He says, I still think Jeff Lau is rehashing his old crap, which is one fault that I'm truly frustrated with in watching his movies. I, I can I can get that sense. I mean, you know, he is kind of revisiting similar ideas as he's been doing um, all throughout. For me, I think I just enjoyed um the, some some of the quirky differences that he played with in East Meets West, um, and, and that appealed to me. Um, the, the thing is, if European directors can repeat the same old tricks and they call and be called alters, I don't see why Jeff Lau can't. Just because he's do, he's doing comedies. Yeah. He says you can find a Chinese tall story with uh, the DVD with special features and commentary track subtitled in in English by yours truly. Uh, he says I know the Nicholas Say interview is missing English subs, but that's not my fault. So Sorry, we, I'm not buying that movie. You know? <laughs> we we won't blame you for that. I, I I do have that movie, and I have the soundtrack oh. too. Uh, soundtrack's actually better than the movie. <laughs> Sorry, it, it's not. I mean, I did Love in Space, and I wouldn't push people to buy it either, honestly. Yeah. But yeah, but yeah, Love in Space has great subtitles. I yeah. just want to say again, yeah. great subtitles. Can't wait for really the great subtitles. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Let's see, Matt S. wrote in, he said, I enjoyed East Meets West myself. Maybe his quirkiness is recycled, but what isn't these days? And I think that's kind of true. Yes. Um, He says, at least it offers up a bit more than the latest excuse for Donnie to beat up Japanese people again. (laughs) (laughs) What is the next Donnie movie? And what, you know, what excuse will he find to fight Japanese people this time? I have no idea. As far as that, he's shooting the uh, Iceman Come With remake right now for three, or he's preparing it right now. Mm. They're preparing that right now. Um, but I'm not sure when that's shooting. Is Yan Biao going to be in that? Uh, probably not. This is the one produced by Steven Seuss, so I'm hoping Chrissy or or someone from Second Zen 3D will be in it. Mm. Ooh. Ooh. Maybe we'll <laughs> get to see a little bit more of Donnie this time than we saw in uh, Fist of Legend, Chen Zen. Depends on what you mean by seeing more of Donnie. <laughs> <laughs> we already saw enough of him in that plenty. one. Yeah, I think we see. Doesn't doesn't doesn't, doesn't Boss Kozo say that he still believes that wasn't really Donnie's backside? It was, <laughs> it was like a stunt double. Oh, why must you remind me? 
All right, that's all for our comments. Uh, of course, if you would like to write in and be part of the show um, and comment and, and get in, engaged with some of the discussions going on there, please stop by the website. That's www.callingcast.com and, you know, just throw in some comments. And if we get into some interesting points, we'll read them here on the show. Um, I think that's going to do it, folks. You know, uh, other than that, if you'd like to keep up with us, of course, We'd love for you to drop by over at iTunes and uh, leave us a review there. Of course, if you leave us five stars, I think we've actually gotten a rating. I think we've gotten enough. I think we've got about, had about six reviews or, or six ratings at least um, from people. So we're actually officially rated now. Um, but we'd love for you to stop by, give us some, give us some comments there, and uh, of course that will help us out immensely. You can follow us on Twitter, twittercom concast for the show, twittercom rock to follow the daily exploits of Mr. Ma and all the information that he likes to delve out to people. Uh, for myself, twittercom foxlore although I have been very lax in my tweeting of late because I've been so simply so busy and nobody wants to hear me saying over and over, "Oh my God, I hate all this homework." Um, <laughs> Gmail, of course, you can email the show at eastscreen at gmail.com, and if you have questions or comments or would like to submit a short MP3 audio review or question or comment of some sort, uh, you know, keep it within a minute or two, and we might just play it here on the show. Um, other than that, Mr. Ma, what have you got going on on this Valentine's week? What films will you be reviewing? What things will you be blogging about? What are you going to be doing? Um, well, one thing I will not be doing is writing YP movies uh, review anymore because YP movies will cease to exist. Oh, what uh, happened? Very soon, so I have I am no longer. Yes, well, because no one reads. Apparently, no one listens to the podcast because no one's been reading the website. So, apparently, PCW, uh, which means Lee Kaohsiung, has decided to uh, allocate their resources to better places um, instead of paying me. So, I will no longer be a critic for the website because Don't. the website won't exist. So, um, if it's still up, you can you can still read my reviews. I think the the final couple of reviews uh, from a couple of weeks ago. Uh, otherwise, I will keep trying to attempt to write uh, a review for Love Is Not Blind for LoveHKFilm.com. I will um, soon be working on the blog again. That's www dot lovehkfilm.com um you can find the, the the link to the golden rock on the front page um yeah that's about all i got going so far yeah. mm. well, that's too bad yp movies so i've been downgraded back to amateur amateur movie critic we so, hardly you know, knew ye professional <laughs> i'm uh... still alive paul i'm still alive <laughs> <laughs> i'm to review movies here so you know i'm very happy um mm. and actually this means i don't have to watch the new adam slander movie so i am celebrating man oh yeah there's always a silver lining right yes all right uh you can also catch us on stitcher listen to us on your iphone your android phone your blackberry and your webos phone stitcher is smart radio for your phone find it in your app store or at stitcher.com stitcher smart radio it's the smarter way to listen to radio and of course we thank them for their support of our show uh, also, thanks out to Rob Gobbers of Schnauzer Studios for our theme. Ross Chen of LoveHongKongFilm.com, who I haven't seen in ages, uh, but I hope to see in the very near future at a future screening. Not sure when that's going to happen, though. Of course, Kevin for sticking with me each and every week, and all of you, the listeners, who make this show so enjoyable and possible to do, especially people who stop by and visit us in the chat room, uh, like Kenneth, uh, Matt... Um, uh, Hong Kong Dave and all the rest of you um, thanks for you know stopping by and keeping this 
fun to do for us. Uh, next episode, episode 99. We'll be talking about what? Mr. and Mrs. Gambler, the latest from yes. Long Jing. Um, anything else out there on the horizon we should maybe consider? A couple of films coming out this week. We have uh, Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close. That's the Stephen Daldry film, I think, mm-hmm. which I'm very interested in seeing. Um, what else is coming out this week? Uh, Western film-wise, I think I think that's it until next week. Hmm. Um, yeah, but uh, actually, I want to throw an extra, because you were talking about Mr. Chan, Ross Chan. Yes. Um, his site is running, uh, remember, his site is running the best Hong Kong film of the 80s poll, and I want to once again encourage all of you, if you have do have watched enough Hong Kong 80s films, come up with your best 10 or 20 uh, Hong Kong films from the 80s. Remember to vote. Remember to vote because this is your poll. This is for you guys. Hmm. So remember to um, I throw in your list. All right. That sounds exciting. Uh, we'll have to talk about that list once the poll is revealed. Um, so Mr. and Mrs. Gambler for sure. Something else probably in the works that we'll throw in as well. All of that and much more on our next show, two shows away from show number 100. Who knows what will happen after that? We might just disappear into the vast nothingness of cyberspace. Um, But until then, this is East Screen, West Screen, wishing you good viewing, a happy Valentine's Day, and we'll see you next week. Happy Valentine's Day, everybody. See you next week.